Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Nuck If You Buck with Devin Zanskis. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, Spanning the Spurs, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Thunderous Applause, and the LA Hoops Report. Plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nuck a Few Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast, brought to you by the Hoopheads Podcast Network and hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, as always. Today, I'm coming at you solo again, but I'm thrilled to have some regular season basketball to dive into again and to be recording the start of what I like to consider season two of Nuck a Few Buck. So on that note, thanks to all of you who are listening to me now, whether it's your first time or if you've listened to every episode, it truly means a lot and um, it really does motivate me to continue to come up with ideas to spice up this show to maintain your interest and, and yeah, makes it more fun for me too. So thanks so much to everybody tuning in and uh, let's get to the show. So we had regular season basketball again and uh, let's see, this was actually the second night of basketball, but the first for the Bucks, we played the Celtics in um, quite an interesting uh, contest here. It was... um, Although we didn't get the end result that we wanted, um, we definitely were not hard-pressed for excitement throughout most of this game. It was uh, pretty darn close and too close for comfort, obviously, given the result. But uh, I'm actually going to start with the back end of the game um, as our hearts were broken not once, but uh, twice, including first when... Jason Tatum hit the most, well, I don't want to be too hyperbolic, but an insane bank shot over Giannis. And the angle on this was just absurd to me. Uh, I believe Kane Pittman on Lockdown Bucks shared a screenshot of uh, where the ball had hit the backboard and it was uh, above and to the left of the square that aligns with the rim itself. So for that to go in from um, also the rainbow arc on the shot too was just nuts. I was uh, the moment he let go of it and I saw um, the angle he had to take, the lean he had on his step back and then Giannis actually being closer to this three point attempt. I was almost sure that, that it wasn't going to go in, but of course uh, Jason Tatum's, Jason Tatum and is regarded as one of the most promising prospects in the league for a reason. But then the Bucks were 
in my opinion, really bailed out on uh, a pretty soft foul committed by Tristan Thompson on the last play of the game where the Bucks had, ooh, I don't have it down, but I believe we had 0.4 seconds left. And uh, after a bud timeout, uh, we had swapped in Holiday for, uh, yeah, um, we had swapped in Holiday from Giannis as the inbounder, which made sense, obviously, um, to throw it to Giannis under the basket. And um, Thompson had um, had just the ever so slightest arm extended to try to to try to block off Giannis naturally from getting right under the cup, and it was successful because the shot didn't go in, but. The referees did, in fact, call the foul on Thompson, and Giannis was given a couple free throws to sink. And, uh, of course, it was uh, a Bucks fan's nightmare, but Giannis wasn't able to convert that last free throw that would have sent the game into overtime. Um, after he had actually hit the five previous free throws in a row and finished with a very respectable 6 of 8 from the free throw line, um, but yeah, that game just wasn't really in the cards for the Bucks, and with the way it kind of played out towards the end, I personally couldn't be too upset. Although I have to admit, my my parents would um, attest that I was fairly animated throughout most of the game, especially the fourth quarter, as I was watching it in their uh, basement. As I'm still trying to figure out the best viewing experience for myself. At my home setup. So these big games, a lot of the times I'll be going to my parents. But yeah, I don't think they were appreciating uh, my excitement, let's say, throughout this game. And uh, my my mother had warned me going into the Christmas uh, Day matchup against the Warriors that I couldn't be dropping as many F-bombs uh, around the niece and the nephew once that game arrived. But uh, we'll get into that. And that wasn't quite as fascinating as a matchup. So I'm going to I'm going to continue on about this Celtics game. Um a little more here I'm going to dive more into it than I will with the Warriors matchup on Christmas Day. Um so yeah, I had sort of alluded to it that the Bucks had that extra time out at the end. Um so Bucks fans, including myself, were pretty confused when we had Giannis inbounding of all people with 0.4 seconds left. It was, I don't really think it, it would have done much to a coach like Brad Stevens. I feel like uh, everyone and their mother knew that with 0.4 seconds left, we would likely just be tossing it up under the cup to Giannis like we did. Um, so even though it's, I guess it's uh, it's worth pulling out all the cards you have with so little time left to try to throw off Brad Stevens, but um, I, don't, I don't think it, it really did much in the end. Um, once we had Drew throwing it up to Giannis, like we should have, uh, despite the missed free throws that I had mentioned. Um, but part, part of the reason why I really couldn't be that upset at the end of the game was that um, the Bucks showed a, a really inspiring effort again in that fourth quarter after I thought the Celtics really uh, built up their lead by matching the energy that the Bucks had to start out with. Um, but yeah, Giannis really uh, 
really brought his A game in the fourth quarter, doubling the points and more than doubling actually uh, the points that he had had through three quarters as he scored 18 of his 35 points in the fourth, which included two three-pointers and a couple turnaround jumpers that we'll be looking out for. Um, Because it is worth mentioning, I suppose, now that um, I believe the attitude towards uh, Giannis's threes and, uh, and, well, largely just him being able to score in isolation in the the half court, which is definitely one of, if not his biggest weakness, will be... um, Fans will be looking out for for more of those turnaround uh, jumpers, and maybe they should more so than those threes, because, you know, I I feel like for a lot of people, it would be tough to envision Giannis being a true, uh, effective, high-volume three-point shooter. Hopefully, at some point, he can can be more respected there, and then, of course, that will... uh, Bucks fans have fantasized about it for a long time, that that would really unlock parts of Giannis's game that he hasn't showed before. If he could have a three-pointer that uh, players will respect, but in saying that, you know, it's um, it really is more so about um, making Giannis as close to unguardable as possible, and I think no matter what, um, it will be at some point defenders are going to have to live with something when defending Giannis, and and um, not to limit Giannis, but. Uh, if you if you have to give up something to him, I I think uh, teams will will always for the rest of Giannis's career, no matter what, rather uh, get him to shoot jumpers than than get to the basket, as that's where he is deadliest and maybe the deadliest in the NBA. Um, so I say that all that and uh, just wanting to touch on uh, all the talk lately um, being shifted to Giannis's uh, turnaround mid range jumpers versus. Uh, the fascination with the three-pointers. Um, sort of working on backwards order here from this game, but we'll get through the rest of it uh, slowly but surely here. Something else that really jumped out at me was with a, about a minute and a half left in the game, score was tied at 117. And as my listeners will not be uh, shocked about, I was uh, kind of losing it in the fourth quarter Perhaps it's one of these moments when uh, my mom would have liked to yell at me for shouting expletives in the basement. But um, but we had uh, Pat Connaughton, of all people, checked on uh, Jason Tatum, which gave me flashbacks of the fourth quarter of the semifinals and in a pivotal game when, you know, famously, infamously, uh, Pat Connaughton was out there instead of Wesley Matthews and playing some really important defensive minutes against the Heat in, an, in a really important game. Obviously, this game isn't as important, but um, might have ticked off some fans, including myself. But, um, you know, I relaxed a little bit naturally as this is just just a game. And at the end of the day, it is just really more or less just a make or miss league. But we ended up dead closing with our with the same starters out there that we always would uh, close the game with. Um, so yeah, there really wasn't uh, too much cause for me to uh, panic the way I may have with with the closing lineups. But yeah, that late in the game, tied with the ball in Jason Tatum's hand, I definitely uh, 
would prefer not to see Pat on him in that scenario. Um, but yeah, that is largely what I have for for the fourth quarter of that game. So I'm kind of going to flip now with how I'm uh, framing this game to you guys. I'm going to start back from the beginning. Hopefully uh, I'm able to articulate all of this clearly and the flip-flopping of timelines here isn't confusing. Um, but yeah, before this uh, this lovely fourth quarter run uh, by the Bucks, um, which ended up with us closing with our starters, um, you know, it's worth mentioning that these starters are whom we would expect being Drew Holiday, Dante, Chris, Giannis, and Brooke. Whereas I thought it was interesting that the Celtics um, were starting Daniel Tice at the uh, nominal four spot. So they were they were starting two bigs, uh, the Celtics were. And, you know, I th- they haven't, you know, maybe subtly they haven't been the deepest team these past couple of years now. So I don't know if I have the best idea on whom I would rather start if I were the Celtics. Um, I don't know if it would be crazy to even start a Grant Williams in place of Daniel Tice, but I had assumed Tice would just be um, be running the, uh, running the backup five spot. But no, he's starting at the four for them, and it was effective to begin with. I believe he was hitting some threes. Um, but as the broadcast was saying, uh, that's something that uh, the Bucks would just have to live with given all the other options that the Celtics have. I mean, Tatum and Brown are deadly on their own, and Thompson was a really good pickup for them at that center position. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, in my opinion, I don't think the Celtics really could have could have uh, uh, rebounded from losing Hayward for nothing, but. If we're just looking at um, other other than Hayward, they kind of swapped uh, Thompson for Tice in the starting five role, and then they swapped uh, Jeff Teague for Brad Wanamaker. So I think when you're just looking around the edges there and ignoring Hayward, the Celtics did have an, have an all right offseason. Um, but then uh, back to the game here. Uh, something that was noted on uh, on Buck's Twitter there was how they had Jalen Brown guarding Giannis at first, really getting into his grill. Um, you know, as as they should, because although Giannis is is shockingly to some people more than capable with the ball in his hand, and um, I mean, f, you know, after all, being being a seven footer and and trying to pull pull off the stuff that Giannis does off the dribble, I think it does behoove them to uh, really pressure Giannis. Um, but but Giannis was able to early on uh, pass out of a shot last minute to Dante, which led to an early Brook corner three, and uh, that's something to watch for too. I had heard that. Uh, I believe this was also a locked on Bucks uh, segment, but uh, Brook Lopez. Uh, proved to be a lot more effective out of the corners um, in terms of his three-point shooting uh, later on last season and in the bubble when he um, started to improve on some of his lackluster offense last last season. So I'd like to see Brooke uh, in those corners more, but 
then again, I think the Bucks also do benefit a lot from his trailing uh, threes uh, closer to to the center of the arc. But um, you know, late, later in the shot clock, I'd like to see Brooke uh, shooting threes in the corner. Hopefully, he knocks him down more like he did there. And um, speaking of speaking of Dante, before um, I had touched on the Bucks really getting uh, getting. Or pardon me, the Bucks really bringing a lot of energy is what I had mentioned before, and from there they were able to get a lot of uh, uh, early open layups as the Celtics were struggling getting up and down the court early on. Um, unlike the Bucks, perhaps having to do with them starting a, a Tice and a Thompson, but uh, Dante did a really good job getting getting behind the defense uh, for some open looks and. Yeah, Bucks fans have to be really excited about what Dante is showing so far this season with uh with the accelerated role from him. Of course, we would have loved to have kept Wes or uh I don't know if I can say kept but acquired uh Bogdan Bogdanovich or you know, just all I'm trying to say is maintain some of that depth so they could still have the luxury of bringing in um a Dante, or of course, in a perfect world, still had George Hill. Uh, possibly two guys who who um, who could have or could have before or in the future. In Dante's case, brought home a six man of the year or remained in contention for that. But he's doing well as as a starter. So um, Bucks fans should be excited about that. Um, and then in the same vein of. Uh, talking about uh, bench production or I guess some of a bit in the contrary here Portis um, was sinking a little too low for my liking on on defense early on which led to a Jalen Brown floater and this was pointed out again by Bucks Twitter that uh, Bobby Portis will uh, take some time um, and yeah he he is still adjusting to the drop coverage that the that the Bucks play. We don't expect him to be able to uh, produce at the same level as Brooke defensively, of course. And that end of the bas- that end of the basketball court is where I had concerns about Bobby Portis, but um, he still uh, continues to um, you know impress me a little bit compared to my expectations, but. Um, in order to minimize some of the uh, the downfalls of the bench, we did see Bud staggering uh, some of the lineups uh, early on. We all know that uh, Giannis often comes out very early in the game, one of, if not the first, to be subbed out by Bud often. Um, but then we see him come back again uh, late in the first at times, if not, um, or else just starting the second quarter. Um when it's when then Chris uh, subs out at a at a similar time to get his rest after carrying the team and I and I like seeing this from Bud. Um, who knows? I I'd like to think that maybe this would lead to seeing more minute totals from from our best guys, which uh, you know we definitely uh, at least in this game, not necessarily for the Warriors game, but that was a totally different story. We did see. Uh, huge numbers from 
uh, Giannis, Chris, and Drew, and they all played more than 30 minutes that first game, if I remember correctly. So hopefully we see more of that. Um, but same time, I hope they're able to uh, stay healthy while making this transition, hopefully, to um, larger minute totals. There I must knock on wood, of course, when speaking of the Bucks' health. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Chugging along, uh, I did talk about um, first with this game of uh, Jalen Brown really uh, challenging Giannis with the ball in his hands. And we did see uh, Giannis um, impressively being able to escape uh, traps and getting all the way to the other end of the court uh, early on in the game. But um, in the sequence where he was trapped um, on offense, by the time he got to the opposing team's uh, Three-point line or free-throw line, he did get stripped um, after making it down the court, but he was able to um, recover and swat the snot out of a, a, a Grant Williams uh, transition layup. So um, this was an instance where uh, Giannis's increased aggression when he gets upset with himself um, did pay dividends. At times, I may have mentioned that um that Giannis has shown maybe not the most maturity at times when he does have his screw-ups and this is human but um he he gets uh overly aggressive at times when he say he gets stripped especially when he gets stripped or someone scores a basket this often happens but he gets over aggressive and then and then oftentimes he'll get He'll get an unnecessary foul called on him for for reaching or just trailing guys a little too close, and then they decelerate, and he ends up on top of them getting called for a blocking foul. But uh, in this instance, it worked out well for Giannis being able to swat Grant Williams. And then in the second quarter, the Bucks were still up, and uh, TNT's Chris Weber on the broadcast was complimenting the Bucks' offense. But from that point on, I made note that the Bucks went on, or rather the Celtics went on a 25 to 11 run after Weber had complimented the Bucks uh, offense, but um, I don't actually have in my notes the halftime score, but I think the Bucks may have been up at that point. Maybe not, who knows, but it was close around halftime um, after Teague had really... Uh, lit a spark uh, under the Celtics during that run. He um, 
at halftime, he already had 13 points, three rebounds, three assists, and two steals in just 13 minutes. But uh, luckily, uh, Dante, well, I'd say Dante was getting after it earlier than Teague with those uh, early transition layups that I had mentioned. Um, but yeah, um, Dante also had 13 points in 13 minutes. Um, so despite Jeff Teague being able to match Dante there, uh, by halftime, Dante at half had those scoring totals in a short amount of time. And with that, he was shooting 71.4% from the field and three of four from three just at halftime. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I had already mentioned the, uh, fourth quarter of this game and, um, now, by the end of the third quarter, it unfortunately was already a 17-point contest following uh, Jason Tatum, uh, deep three in Giannis's face as Giannis had his heels behind the three-point arc to close the third quarter and uh, open up that 17-point lead into the fourth that necessitated the, the Bucks to have um, that amazing fourth quarter that they had while still falling short in the end. But um, yeah, otherwise of note for this game was that Giannis ended up with um, seven turnovers in total, which was often uh, often referenced in some of the short notes on this game on, uh, you know, from like ESPN and other national reporting that I saw. But should also be uh, mentioned that, um, at least from my understanding, some of the offensive fouls that I had that um, I mentioned before and has been a trend with Giannis, um, such as those charges when uh, when a wall is built in front of him. Uh, those charges and other offensive fouls, perhaps, uh, are counted as turnovers at times in the box score. So. Um, I wouldn't go too crazy about those turnovers, but seven turnovers, no matter where they come from, are not good. Um, let's see. And then lastly, so I know I talked a lot about Giannis and Dante and uh, and just the rest of the Celtics squad, especially uh, Jason Tatum, Jeff T, Grant Williams, etc. But... Um, you know, it should also be emphasized that uh, Giannis, Chris, Drew, and Dante had finished with over 100 points with uh, combined with the four of them. So um, that's cool. <laughs> um, but just one other sequence in, uh, in mentioning that uh, that I wanted to bring up was uh, Drew Holiday really heating up believe this would have been the fourth quarter at this point some some point in the second half it doesn't really matter but i really like the sequence from drew holiday where he sunk a uh a deep uh two two point jumper then on the other end went and blocked uh a jeff teague jump shot uh before he uh did one of his um his sidesteps uh 
to the left with a lefty finish uh, using the rim to shield himself on those finishes. Um, and yeah, some, that's something from Drew Holiday that I've already seen a lot of and I would and I would put in the scouting report if I were an opposing team is um, that in transition especially, Drew does uh, love to get to that lefty finish and the left side of the basket using the basket to shield him um, whenever he's, he's able to get downhill and uh, execute that move. So I would look out for that, especially if I were um, about to go up against the Bucks. But um, I'm not in that position, so I don't want to give anything to the opponent here. So I'm going to move on then to uh, the second contest of the season and the second one and last that we'll be talking about today. Um, but that was uh, the Bucks uh, gifting Milwaukee a near 40 ball uh, short by only one point. They won by 39 points um, against the Warriors on Christmas after the city was granted their first opportunity to host um, emphasis on host. Uh, they were able to play at home in Milwaukee on Christmas day for the first time in 52 years. Um, so you you do the math there, but I believe uh, this would have been uh, all the way back to the times of a uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and maybe a Big O if he was there at the time, John McLaughlin. Um, but yeah, for, for the difference there to be uh, that core ver- versus the core that we have today, it really shows uh, how big of a deal it was for Milwaukee to host... Uh, a game on Christmas Day, as Christmas Day is uh, maybe the singular most marquee game of the season. And it's really fortunate that uh, the NBA was able to start in time for this still to be, um, still to make Christmas all the more exciting. (laughs) Now, I will admit before we get into this that I didn't watch this game as closely as uh, in the Bucks gifting fans the 39-point when they also gave me the opportunity to focus less on less on this and focus more on uh, my family as we were uh, actually chose to open gifts at some point around halftime of this game. Uh, so luckily I didn't miss much and I was still able to enjoy the wonderful holiday with my family. Um, and I hope all of you were able to do the same and uh, had, a, had a wonderful holiday yourselves. But that being said, I'm going to get into this game now. We had the uh, usual the usual suspects as our uh, five starters and the Warriors. Uh, have the same starters that I saw from them in their first game against the Nets. They had uh, Steph, uh, Kelly Oubre, Andrew Wiggins, Eric uh, uh, Pascal. I believe that's how it's pronounced, um, despite the way it's spelled. Uh, and then rookie James Wiseman. A couple stats that the broadcast shared uh, before this game that I wrote down and thought was worth mentioning is that Stephen Curry actually has not performed particularly well on Christmas in the past. Of course, this is one uh, singular uh, uh, day for a player now to be performing at his best, but um, numbers are quite surprising, and I really had to uh, think about how many times Steph Curry must have played on Christmas in all of his years in the NBA at this point. But he's averaged only 12 points per game and shot only 30% from the field on Christmas. So, uh, 
Yeah, pretty wild to hear hear those numbers uh, in the same sentence of the uh, of another uh, uh, former back to back MVP. But he did have a beautiful sequence that was shared a little too much, considering the end result uh, from the national media. But he really kind of made Drew Holiday look like a fool a couple times in the highlights of this game. But um, both times he did this, uh, he was able to use a uh, behind-the-back crossover. Um, but then in this specific instance, he followed that up with a hesitation to get Drew Holiday in the air, in which he was able to easily get past him and finish with a floater. Um, yeah, like I said, he had another sequence similar to that, but this is just a singular sequence, and we all know the end result of this game. Uh, but the man of man of the hour uh, during this game was Chris Middleton. Not to bury the lead, but he um, some stats shared about him before this game for to uh, foreshadow some of his uh, his production from this game is that he uh, was one of only four players last year uh, to average twenty points per game in under thirty minutes per game during last year's regular season. The other three players to do this besides Chris were Joel Embiid, Paul George, and Zion Williamson. So that's uh, it's a lovely group to be a part of. And um, following this game, Chris um, would find himself tied for fourth behind uh, just Kyrie Irving. Um, let's see, it was Kyrie Irving and Duncan Robinson as of this year and Brandon Ingram as of last year. And he was tied with a uh, James Harden, Kevin Love, Kyle Kuzma, and uh, Ryan Anderson back in uh, 2011 for uh, the most three-pointers made on Christmas. Chris ended up with six during this game. Um, and yeah, it's also worth mentioning in this list, it showed the years in which guys were able to do this. And uh, it seems to be... Uh, a trend that that this is a, a record that's almost being uh, broken or the shortlist that I've mentioned here is being updated uh, annually. So maybe not the craziest stat to share, but still impressive nonetheless uh, to summarize uh, Chris's 31, 5, and 4 output um, in just 25 minutes in this game. So uh, good to see our guys get a little more rest after uh, having to leave it all on the floor to uh, hopefully bring it home uh, against the Celtics, but they didn't need to put forth that same effort against the Warriors, of course. Um, But what was missing here in uh, Chris's game was the usual Giannis that we're able to expect from him and uh, what we saw from him against the Celtics. He uh, finished... Only uh, 4 of 14 from the field, and um, he was only 7 of 15 from the line. And I remember uh, on Christmas, around the time that uh, my family was coming into the house, I was uh, I greeted both of my brothers and shortly made them aware that at that time, near halftime, Giannis was um, only 4 of 11 from the stripe, so... Uh, finished three of three after that point, but uh, wasn't able to make up for that poor start when looking at the uh, free throw uh, statistics, which was uh, 
total antithesis of what he was able to show us at the free throw line in our first game. Of course, ignoring the final shot, but otherwise of note was that uh, DJ Augustine, um, he made his Bucks debut on Christmas and he was able to do so while scoring 13 points in 13 minutes. Uh, similar like what we saw from Dante and what we were really impressed. And uh, yeah, what Dante did the same thing and what really impressed us in the first half. Uh, but DJ was able to do do the same throughout uh, throughout the extent of which he was in the game uh, for all of Christmas Day. Um, but yeah, Bucks just really took care of business here. Um, but a lot of this... Um, crushing defeat has to do with uh, what the Warriors played, of course. Um, before I maybe uh, kick the opponent while they were down on Christmas, uh, it is worth mentioning that James Wiseman, uh, I'd wondered if he was being a little overhyped naturally as a top pick in a draft that happened uh, kind of crazy, uh, only a little more than a month ago. But James Wiseman at halftime had 14 points and two blocks himself, shooting four or five from from the field, two or two from three, and four or four from the free throw line. That, of course, wasn't able to push his team over the hump, but um, there's one awesome highlight out there right now that's being circulated shortly uh, before I started recording here of Wiseman, and he had an amazing recovery uh, to block uh, DJ Augustine's shot is he was able to come from the other side of the basket and uh, still block DJ's shot on time. Of course, there's um, you know a pretty notable side discrepancy between him and DJ, but still to um, to make the distance he did and still block that shot, uh, no matter who, uh, no matter the size of the opponent, is still impressive from from a guy, especially as young as a Wiseman is. And um, I mean, despite uh, what we have seen from Wiggins and Ubre so far, which I'll get into, um, Warriors must be very uh, pleasantly, uh, or let's just say they must be pretty pleased with Wiseman at this point being a rookie, um, obviously showing that he's able to start already, which I believe is more than what could be said for uh, the number one pick in uh, Anthony Edwards, although he's doing quite well off the bench from what I've heard. Maybe just the most recent game. I can't speak to any other games that uh, Edwards has played so far. But um, yeah, for Wiseman to start on opening night. And in addition, in a year like this where he didn't obviously didn't have an entire summer to train with the team for them to evaluate him. So it's especially remarkable for Wiseman to be a starter already and to be performing at the level he is and to have the trust of the coach already in Steve Kerr. But um, yeah, um, on the contrary, Wiggins and Oubre, the wings that uh, Warriors fans were quite excited about. They saw a little bit of Wiggins last season, but um, I would have been pretty excited about Kelly Oubre heading into the season if I were a Warriors fan. But um couple unfortunate stats in in regard to these wings that I've mentioned is that they have begun the season 24 uh, shooting 24.1% from the floor and only 2 of 21 from 3 according to StatMuse and unfortunately Kelly Oubre um, 
as the first player in NBA history to go uh, 0 of 11 or worse from the from uh, from the three point arc in his first two games of the season. That's according to ESPN.com, and I think on Twitter I also saw something being circulated of him being uh, starting the season now 0 of 19. I don't know if it was at and counting at the time the stat was shared, but he was at one point 0 of 19 on all non-dunk attempts, which is, of course, horrific. Um, But yeah, at least he did. He has had some highlight dunks for the Warriors. That's the uh, thinnest of, of, thinnest of um, silver linings for Kelly Oubre, but... Perhaps a bigger silver lining uh, for the guy is that he is uh, almost certainly the most handsome uh, mamma jamma in the league. So at least Kelly's got that going for him. But yeah, that's probably enough talk on the Warriors disappointing wings. And uh, I'll just also wrapping wrap it up with sharing uh, a stat that I was I was doing quite a bit of research on NBA.com to no avail, but I wanted to see. What the what the largest um, disappointing uh, opening uh, point differential was in NBA history for a team? Because uh, after this thirty nine point blowout um, that the Bucks did to the Warriors' expense, um, I guess before then I should say they had a similar really disappointing game against the Brooklyn Nets, whom I will mention a little bit later, as uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant uh, showed that they were still their former selves, that many in the league were um, afraid they would be. And, you know, it's especially impressive in Kevin Durant's regard, considering he's returning from maybe historically the most devastating injury uh, to an NBA player that we've seen. Uh, this isn't just specifically Kevin Durant, but, you know, torn Achilles in general. But, yeah, Warriors really got it from the Nets uh, on opening night. And, unfortunately, um, for them, they had a similar experience uh, against the Bucks on Christmas. But, yeah, they have now – best stat I could find on this was that the Warriors, of course, are now now have an average point differential through two games of uh, negative uh, thirty two and a half. So through two games, they're losing on average by thirty two point five points through two games, and uh, yeah, definitely not the start Warriors wanted, especially considering that some thought that they would be a playoff team. But in my uh, you know, often the uh, starters are now no dunks crew, whom I love. Um, they have they have a bit where it's like it's just X amount of games, but in this case, it's just two games. But the Warriors may not be a playoff team, especially if they they uh, they get similar numbers from their wing starters. But just two games, so let's not overreact. And um, gosh, that was a lot of Warriors talk when. Uh, it's really the Bucks here who, who should be the focus as uh, they they were able to, uh, you know, run run a clinic on 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 the opposition on Christmas Day and uh, 
as I said before, I'm really thankful for it for uh, my own sake, being able to focus more on what's more important on Christmas, that being my family, of course, and hopefully the rest of you were able to uh, spend a little more of, of uh, your Christmas energy towards your family and not just the bucks in this case. But I'm going to carry forward here and uh, touch on some other uh, bucks news unrelated to stuff on the court, and that is unfortunately... Per the Athletic Champs, Sharania, the Bucks um, will be losing their 2022 second round pick after the NBA determined that they violated league, league rules in the timing of the Bogdan Bogdanovich transaction or lack thereof. Um, obviously, this is a major bummer for the Bucks, who have <laughs> very little draft capital, as you can maybe tell by the this seemingly random pick that they're choosing not this upcoming draft but the one after i don't have all of our uh, draft picks in front of me but i'm assuming um i would have guessed that they would have taken our 2021 second round pick but maybe maybe that's gone in a trade and uh for me not knowing for sure just speaks to uh you know how much of our draft capital we've given away but of course from what i mentioned in the past uh, well, maybe would have changed some things, uh, like specifically this Bogdan Bogdanovich deal or attempted deal. But um, hey, I <laughs> I swear I cannot be as bent out of shape um, as I have been in the past for at least the next year, considering that we do have Giannis under contract now for another five years. So really excited about that. But yeah. Especially a bummer for us to lose a pick considering what we have given up in terms of draft capital. Um, I guess that's enough on that. Otherwise, of note is that on uh, December 23rd or Festivus, the Bucks picked up Dante's fourth year player option. No surprise there, of course. It was a no-brainer. But it got me thinking a little bit on, on what uh, Dante's next contract may look like. Um now, I may be somewhat, you know, when determining contracts for our own players, it's kind of tough for me because first thing that pops in my head is that I am probably, I am most likely inherently overvaluing the players that we do have. But I mean, for what Dante showed all of last year and especially through two games this year, I'd think that he could get a, get a pretty penny out there in restricted free agency. Um Maybe not what Bro- what Brogdon would have got, um, and Bogdanovich, as um, as I've mentioned before, getting that eighteen million dollars annually. That's also likely on the higher end of what Dante would get. But you know, maybe he wouldn't get much less than that. I wonder. I'm wondering if he would get uh, fifteen million dollars a year annually. That might be a little rich for um, what Bucks fans would consider, but. My brother and I were actually texting about uh, an extension that was offered to the uh, Trailblazers, uh, Gary Trent Jr., and how he had turned down, what was it now? It was uh, it was, it was around $13 annually, like what, uh, yeah, I think he was offered $13 million annually, but it was over four years. Um, 
And yeah, my, my brother especially was pretty shocked that he would have turned that down. Um, especially being a second round pick, historically those guys are uh, more prone to accepting extensions considering that they've received uh, less money throughout their career so far. So they're more re- willing to risk it. But um, I guess I've played devil's advocate against my brother there and just saying that... Uh, you know, he is exceedingly important to the Trailblazers and especially their future. So I hadn't really quite put that connection with uh, him and Dante in that he's... Uh, Dante is one of the very few young prospects on the Bucks right now. And the same could be said for Gary Trent Jr. So, you know, ideally Dante wouldn't receive much more uh, than $10 million, but who knows... Um, we know the Bucks are over a barrel right now, especially with players uh, not named Giannis Antetokounmpo and knowing that we have little flexibility to replace our players. So guys like him and Drew Holiday may have to be uh, overpaid if they have, especially if they have good good agents who will play their cards right. But uh, yeah, that's enough on that small note of Dante's player option. And now I want to get into a mailbag question that my... Uh, again, my brother Drew has shared. Thanks, Drew, for always sharing these mailbag questions. And the rest of you are always welcome and encouraged to share them. Um, but I'm not going to force it out of anyone. But I'm just lucky to have uh, my brother Drew here to share these mailbag questions and give me ideas when I'm concerned about content. But I always tend to go longer than I think anyhow. So I shouldn't be too concerned. But he, uh, Drew did share this uh Great topic, and that was to rank the Eastern Conference. So I'm ranking it one through eight with an honorable mention here. And I should also mention first that um, that I will I will try to in real time put tiers to these teams as I mentioned them. But I was thinking about this as I was driving, and it was uh, pretty tough for me to um, know for sure um, how I'd rank these guys. But without further ado, I ranked the Bucks number one. Um, while clearly noting my bias, but yeah, I'll put us in the number one spot. I mean, we had 60 wins or we're on pace for 60 wins now for two seasons in a row. So I don't think that's quite a hot take that we can be the number one spot again. But of course, Bucks fans would give up some regular season success if that were to mean that we're more prepared for the playoffs because we want to see something different than in past years. And that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, preaching of the choir. Um, but I'll go a little quicker here than I have on previous points. I had the Brooklyn Nets at number two. And um, that maybe speaks to the uh, starters or Nodex point that I had mentioned before that uh, it's just two games, but the Brooklyn Nets look like a real problem in the Eastern Conference right now, especially uh, for Bucks fans and as a fan watching them on the first day of the season and then hearing about... Um, how they did against the Celtics, um, as Bucks fans are abundantly aware of right now, a formidable team in their own right in the Eastern Conference. But I had them at the number two spot, and I don't think this is as much of an overreaction to early games because the uh, we knew the X factor going into the season was going to be Kevin Durant's Achilles over everything else, and that's something that um, Bucks fans, you know, you're able, you're just able to see it right away. Whether or not Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, and he is still Kevin Durant. Everybody, 
Uh, same can be said with Kyrie Irving, although he's not coming back from anything quite as serious. I believe a lot of last season was uh, Nets being cautious, of course, and shutting. Um, you know, they shut down Kyrie Irving after they tried to bring him back. He had to get uh, shoulder surgery, but of course he didn't play in the bubble and played limited games. But Kyrie Irving played very well in the few games that he played last year. And, and Kevin Durant, we had been hearing for months about how like, oh, he's in warmups playing pickup games. People are saying Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. And people were like, well, at least speaking for myself, I was just kind of like, well, we'll see it on the court when he's actually on the court, not on TV in front of us. But he showed, yeah, that, I mean, I, I would even maybe guess that uh, a lot of people would be picking the Nets to come out of the East. And uh, I can't get too worked about that, worked up about that with what I've seen so far. Uh, and then at the third spot, I have to give some respect to the Miami Heat. Some may say it's disrespect putting them at the three spot being uh, just coming off of a finals appearance months ago. Um, but I think this is quite fair. Remember, this is the regular season and the top of the East is really, really good, especially on paper um, without any uh, early season surprises so far. But um, big talking point is the West, of course, being uh, much better than the East, and that's still the case, but I think more of that can be uh, said about just the depth of the Western Conference. I mean, I just mentioned earlier that um, it's just two games, but um, the Warriors um, are shedding more and more doubt on their playoff hopes. Um, obviously, the Clay Thompson injury affects that, but yeah, the top of the East here is really deadly and although the east may not be quite as deep as the west it was really tough for me to rank these teams um so yeah i have the heat at three now um and then these next two are pretty tough for me to rank um i guess i'll just share my tears at the end but the fourth spot i have the celtics um i could have seen them flip-flopping with whom i'm gonna have at the five spot you can maybe guess that is the 76ers but uh, I have the Celtics at number four. I mean, they've done pretty well in the uh, the past uh, couple, or you know, for uh, in the recent future, the the Celtics have done quite well in the regular season. And you have to think with their young core that they that they should only be getting better. And Jason Tatum is looking like, uh, as I will say again, it's just two games, but Jason Tatum. Is right now looking like he could be in the MVP, uh, be in consideration for MVP or at least receive some votes for that. So uh, if that's the case, then Celtics could be a really uh, deadly team in their own right. And the Bucks fans are all too familiar with that at this point. And then uh, number five, like I said, I have the 76ers. And um, I feel like this was really the spot where uh, I felt like I was most at risk for underrating a squad at this point. Um, Cause I mean, but I also felt safe in putting them at number five, considering that Sixers were going into last season were considered to be a clear top three team. But then I believe they were, uh, they were around the spot to conclude last season and they were really disappointing, especially, you know, playing like the, 
playing like the 16 2016 Warriors that is at home and then like the current day New York Knicks away. So um, I felt safe in putting the Sixers a little bit lower and in a lower tier here, but um, I think they did do uh, quite well this offseason, I believe, and just uh, just building a squad that actually fits with their uh, superstars. What a concept there, Sixers. But uh, yeah, to actually put shooting around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and like, like everybody and their brother has said they should should be doing all this time and now have done with Daryl Morey. Um, Bucks fans should be really afraid of, of how this plays out for the Sixers, but um, we'll uh, have to wait and see if that happens. Um, it's plenty on the Sixers here. So at number six, I had the Toronto Raptors, which may sound low to some people, but they did uh, lose a considerable amount of front court depth. I mean, they're starting Aaron Baines, which may not be a ton of drop-off there from a Marcus Saul. But um, they don't have Serge Ibaka either now, so they're relying a lot on Chris Boucher, who's, um, although, he's, although he's shown a lot of promise, he's definitely a drop-off from last year's uh, Serge Ibaka. And yeah, they're putting uh, a lot of eggs in the Chris Boucher basket. So I don't think that that bodes well for them. Obviously, the top of the East is pretty strong, and... Um, I don't know, maybe another year of Kyle Lowry um, won't uh, won't really do him any good as he ages, because I think he's older than people would expect, but I don't really have his, his age offhand or on hand, but you know, I guess he's at least like 33, but I could be wrong. Um, for the sake of my fantasy team, I hope he performs well again as he had in the past. I had him in that breakout year, but... I have the Raptors at number six as they haven't, you know, I mean, the big thing that they did, and I would have advised them to do this too, is that they brought back and extended two of their younger and uh, supreme contributors in Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi. But um, yeah, they lost a lot of, uh, a couple of really important pieces in the front court. So they're at number six. Number seven, I have the Pacers. And, um, you know, they're an incredibly deep team and they were my favorite team to propose uh, hypothetical trades in the offseason, but they actually stand, they actually uh, stood pat pretty much. So um, maybe not your traditional seven seed, but yeah, they have a lot of talent there. They just don't have that top end talent that all these other teams seem to have. So um, without anyone to really uh, carry them in close games, I think they that uh, they might they might be a good under to take if you're uh, placing uh, betting odds on them. Um, but yeah, and yeah, I feel pretty good about putting them in the seventh spot despite um, being overall high on their prospects. So not much else to say, and I think that's fitting. So I'll move on to the Atlanta Hawks. Now, people may know or may guess that I'm not the biggest Atlanta Hawks fan, especially of this core. Of course, you have, of course you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, um, of course, I may have some uh, bitter feelings around, less of him personally, maybe, but just around his whole sitch this offseason. But he was a pretty important piece for the Hawks, so I think um, they have a pretty strong chance of making it to the playoffs. Another year, Trey Young. They also brought in uh, Danilo Gallinari, too, who was a pretty important piece on the 
um, on the uh, perhaps surprisingly good Oklahoma City Thunder last year. And then, yeah, just more young guys who are uh, able to contribute. And then, of course, Clint Capella, whom I don't even know if he is, if he played a game for the Hawks until this year with the late trade last year and injuries that he was experiencing. But, yeah, he's essentially a new piece for them as well. So they, they brought in a lot of talent in free agency this year. So I think they'd be pretty disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs. But I have them just at the eighth spot. And then um, lastly, to close, honorable mention, I have the Wizards. Um, so I guess nominally at the ninth spot. Um, that was pretty tough for, for me to leave them out over the Hawks as I think Russell Westbrook and uh, Bradley Beal will be a deadly combo and um, some of their other supporting cast, although they may be young, aren't quite slouches either. One of the best shooters in the league in Davis Bertans. Uh, another year of growth from uh, Troy Brown Jr. and uh, Rui Hachimura. And they can play five out with the shooting that uh, Thomas Bryant brings, but they may not be. Um, they're they're obviously a pretty uh, similar to the Hawks are are one of the more one dimensional one way teams in the league and might be lacking a bit on defense. So that that could be a way that they lose out on the playoffs. Maybe maybe Westbrook aging a bit, but I mean, he'll definitely contribute better than John Wall could have in his return. But yeah, I'm not sold that they can be an eighth seed. Um, but any other year with a weaker conference, like we've seen in the past, I think Wizards uh, would have had better chances of getting in there. Um, so yeah, I should also then just quickly run through the tiers of the teams here and <laughs> This could potentially be even more controversial than the rankings that I have, but I have the Bucks and the, and the Nets as a tier. And then uh, beyond there, I have the Heat, Celtics, and Sixers in a tier together. Heat fans may be, may be mad, and maybe they think that, they, that the Heat belong in the tier above. I could see that. I could also see uh, being really cute with it and saying that the Heat are in a tier of their own between the other two teams, but this is my podcast, so I make the rules. And... Uh, that's what I'm going with. Um, then the next tier after the Heat, Celtics, and Sixers, I have the Raptors and Pacers together, as I could see those two swapping. Uh, and then the Hawks and the Wizards in a tier together with nobody who I haven't mentioned um, joining them. And yeah, I haven't really thought about people who wouldn't be in the playoffs, but that's how I rank the Eastern Conference. Um, let me know at any of my socials if you um, if you disagree with anything that I have uh, put in my rankings here. I admittedly thought about it uh, in pretty short order, so maybe don't maybe don't uh, tear me apart too much on that. Uh, but yeah, you can uh, you can react to any of these rankings that I've given at. Uh, Nuck if you buck NBA and the U is just uh, the letter U and that's uh, my username on both Twitter and Instagram. Um, there in those DMs, you could also share any other mailbag questions that you may have. Uh, and then you're also welcome to email me at uh, buck the pot at gmail.com with any concerns you could have. But if I were you, I'd recommend uh, just DMing me on any of your socials. And then... Uh, 
you know, following that shameless uh, plug, I have uh, a promotion here, of course, that I would that I would love um, to share with you guys, and that is, of course, again, uh, uh, Thrive Fantasy. Come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this the, this season. Thrive Fantasy, of course, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. Um, they have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top tier of athletes in your respective sport. So, you know, this this leaves uh, some some of your betting open to you guys out there if you're more of casual fans, quote unquote. Uh, no shame there. I'm definitely a casual in other aspects of uh, professional sports. Um, but yeah, I, I still I mean I still love to bet on certain things myself with really low stakes. Um, but yeah, so the name of the game, as far as I know it, with uh, Thrive Fantasy here is that you choose a five out of ten player prop options uh, to build your lineup, and then each prop has a fantasy uh, point total associated with over unders uh, based on the likelihood that they occur. Um, more points that the selection is worth, the riskier it is, naturally, and uh, you rack up the most points to win uh, a, a certain share of the prize pool. And in the past, Thrive has awarded over $2,200,000 in prizes since launching in 2018 and has uh, 50000 guaranteed uh, in prizes for uh, NFL uh, Week 15 plus thousands more for uh, the NBA that has since returned. So for listeners out there, you may use the promo code Giannis, that is G-I-A-N-N-I-S, when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your um, first deposit of $20 or more. You may download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. Comma, that is. Uh, so sign up and prop up today. Now, uh, getting back to the action there, I just shared my rankings there and where you can react to them if you so choose. Um, but um, I'll just share uh, a little bit more of general NBA uh, news here before we get out of here. And that is uh, that um, I believe this is on Festivus again, December 23rd, the NBA revealed that only two players have tested positive for the coronavirus out of 558 tested since December 16. Maybe a little uh, shocking out there considering the Houston Rockets saga and the headache that is. So I'm not even going to share any of that with you guys. You can uh, rely on a non-Milwaukee Bucks uh, platform to uh, figure out what I'm alluding to there with the Houston Rockets and their COVID concerns. Um, but yeah, they have they have some issues there with the COVID protocols. But um, on that note, the NBA has also sent out a memo saying that teams are not allowed to jump the line for uh, COVID-19 uh, vaccinations. And there are exceptions, of course, granted to physicians or older staff members uh or and or people at a uh, high risk. So that's really that's really good to hear about the NBA, you know. I know myself included certain people have been uh, skeptical of the uh the good rep that the NBA has benef- benefited from uh, especially compared to other uh professional sports, but 
I mean, I don't really, I don't exactly know how this how this would have otherwise worked. Of course, the NBA probably has more more uh, power than I than I'm aware of, but um, I guess it's good on the NBA for knowing its place and not, um, you know, trying to benefit for themselves and being able to turn a profit longer at the expense of the real uh, important ones here. And that's the heroes like these physicians. Um, and of course, um, people who also should be closer to the front of the line are those more uh, at a greater health risk, of course, uh, just older members or people with uh, with uh, prior uh, known conditions that would maybe make them more uh, negatively affected by COVID-19. But yeah, good on the NBA here. And then um, I will also close out here with some positive news uh, following up from uh, how I closed last week with Bradley. And that was uh update on Florida basketball star Keontae uh, Johnson, who collapsed on the court, of course, on December 12th. But he has since actually been released from the hospital uh, since the 22nd uh, last Tuesday. I believe it was Tuesday, whatever whatever the 22nd was. But um, as as a NBA and overall basketball uh, fan, someone who benefits from basketball a lot uh, especially but just as a human being i'm really happy to hear that Keontae is uh you know is on better terms in uh regarding his health uh right now because um yeah overall uh, that's that's plenty more important than anything that could be going on 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 the basketball court as it's uh returning for us on our televisions but um yeah, I believe that's pretty much all I have for you guys today. Again, uh, you can check me out at Buck NBA. U is just the letter U. Um, that's on Twitter and Instagram. Email me at NuckAfyouBuckThePod. U there is Y-O-U, if I didn't say it before, at gmail.com. Uh, also, I still have uh, some shirts available. I'll actually have to order a couple more for some of my friends. Um, but you're also more than welcome to reach out to me if you would, if you would like, um, if you would like to order a shirt, it's only $20. Um, but yeah, I would be really excited if any of you were to, uh, to purchase a shirt and, uh, provide a little bit of advertising for you, boy. But, um, I will leave it at that. Thanks everyone for listening and tuning in to season two of Nuck If You Buck. And I'll see you in another life, brother. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals. Visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother. <laughs>